0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this Word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember... you are
1: How many of you guys excited to be in the house of God today? You guys excited to be here today? I am. You know what's kind of funny? And Marty says, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go either. <laughs> and then uh, me and Omar were talking, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to share this. And I'm like, well, the Lord's leading me to share this. And then we're like, man, should we, how's this going to work? And like, I don't know. <laughs> but we know one thing, that the Lord is good, right? Yes. And that the Lord is the one that's going to be praised. Amen? Amen. And as we were talking, we're both like, kind of like in agreement that no matter what we share, we hope that you guys see the Lord. That what we preach is from the Lord's word. And that the Lord be glorified, amen? Amen, amen. Um, Rigo asked me to share, and uh, I'm like, what am I going to share? I'm not sure what I'm going to share. I'm not sure what the Lord's putting on my heart. And I wish I could tell you I had this revelation. Oh, my God, the Lord is leading me to say this or to share this. But the Lord was actually showing me that just share what I'm talking to you. Share what you're reading in his word. Because you can never go wrong, amen? So that's what the Lord actually put on my heart. So the kind of like the... Uh, the melody for for what the Lord's put on my heart is, or the title you you could say, is don't lose. Don't lose what? Don't lose the fear of God. Don't lose the fear of God in in your life, in your relationship with the Lord. So if you have your Bibles here, go ahead and turn to Job. Job chapter 28. Amen. When you guys are in Job chapter 28, it's going to be verse 28. Go ahead and give me an amen when you guys are there. amen as he has it on the screen i'll go ahead and just read it it says here and to man he said behold or feast your eyes on this the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to to, and to depart from evil is understanding and that's what the lord's kind of like been leading me and and been kind of like just been heavy on my heart is no matter what you go through eli just don't forget the fear of god is one of the most important things you could have as a believer and i began to like you know research the word fear and see the, what the definition is. And it's almost like it's not necessarily well, I'm scared, but it's almost like it's a, it's a reverence for the Lord, amen. It's, I'm living a life of awe unto God. So I wrote here, what is the fear of God? It's to live in awe of the Lord. What does the word awe mean? As I continue to break this down, it says here, a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or with wonder. And that's what the Lord is calling us to have as a believer. Don't lose the reverence for the Lord. Amen. You guys are with me? And then there's a part B to it. What is the fear of God? Well, it's also to actually do the Lord's will. As you begin to read scripture, you'll see that I did some research online because I like reading a lot and doing a lot of research. 30 times in the Bible, it's used fear God. In that kind of like phrase, fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. It's used over 30 times. So I believe as a believer, it's important for us to have, amen. It's something that we want to have in this life. There's another verse that says here, praise the Lord. Blessed is a man who fears him, who delights greatly in his commandments. Amen. Why should we fear God? It's because we're blessed. That's the place that we're actually spiritually blessed in the Lord. Amen. And that's in uh, Psalms 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. That's an amazing verse. Because, you know, in this life I, I continue to, I feel like I find myself searching for, like, joy. Lord, where's my joy found? Oh, Lord, it's in this. Oh, Lord, it's in that. And the Lord's been showing me it's actually in me. Because in me you have enough. You don't need anything else. Amen? So no matter what comes your way, you know that your ultimate joy is found in Christ. It's not found in anything else, amen. So it led me to kind of like to a phrase that the Lord's been showing me is when we begin to have a respect for the Lord, that's the place that we finally obey the Lord. Amen. amen. I respect your word, O oh Lord, therefore and I've come to the place where I now actually o- obey and I actually live according to your word. And as a believer, There's some things that we can't get involved in, you know. And the Bible says we all fall short. We're going to sin. We're going to fall down, but it's important to get back up. Amen. We don't stay down in sin. We we get back up in Christ with His strength. Amen. But I realize that there's something that there's some things that we just can't get involved in. Why? It's because we fear God. It's because the believer is called to not only fear God but also to what? To obey His commands and to live according to His will. And we've seen in Scripture that that's the place that we find spiritual joy. Amen. It's a joy that doesn't fade. It's a joy that's found in Christ. Amen? As I began to kind of like, you know, the Lord led me to put this uh, this word together. I'm like, why should we fear God? Okay, Lord, you're calling us to fear God. There's a lot of scripture showing us we should fear you. We should have this awe of you, right? But why? In Romans 4.25 it says here, Christ died for my sins and was raised for my justification. Amen? He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. We fear God. Why? Because he first loved us. The Bible says not that we loved, but that he loved us first and became an offering for sin. So we live in this reverential awe of Christ. Why? It's because he died for you and loved you so much that he was willing to give his son on a cross just to show us how much he's in love with us. Isn't that awesome? What a love, right? That is amazing. In Psalms 34, it says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no one. Like I was sharing earlier. Find the place where we're having this reverential awe of Christ. Because that's the place that we actually don't want anything. All our needs are met in Christ Jesus. Do we have physical needs and other things in life? Yes. But that spiritual do- joy that you're looking for, it's only found in one person. And we know that's Jesus Christ. Amen. How many guys are with me? You guys enjoying this so far? All right, all right, all right. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, I'm, I'm having a good time too. Uh, if, you guys could, if you have your Bibles there, turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, and uh, put, your, put your finger on verse 20. It's going to be verses 20 through 24. So when you're there, give me an amen, because I'm going to give you a backstory before we go ahead and get, to, get into that pack, in that passage. So before we read here, I've been reading the the book of Jeremiah. And like I opened up, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to share? Well, share what I've been telling you, what I've been speaking to you when you've been reading my word. Okay. So before we start reading Jeremiah chapter 5, just to get like a synopsis of what's going on, the Lord is speaking to to Jeremiah the prophet. So the Lord speaks to Jeremiah the prophet, and now he is delivering a message from God in the Old Testament. So as he's delivering a message from God, he's like, you guys are doing good things and some bad things. You know, it's kind of like you have a relationship with somebody, you know, husband or wife or whatever. There's, there's some good things, and then, oh, we have to talk about some things that uh, kind of nudge me or kind of bother me, right? So he begins to tell the people some good things and some bad things. So in Jeremiah chapter 4, he tells them, you're my children. The Lord tells Jeremiah to tell them, look, they're my children. Tell them that they're my children. Tell them that I'm actually in covenant with them and I'm married to them. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's some good stuff. And, and also tell them that we're family. Wow, that's amazing. The Lord calls me family. The Lord calls me, you know, I'm in covenant with him. I'm actually married to him. But now we have to get into some, some things that they're not doing right. The, the people of Jeremiah, during that time, they had, the Bible says in, in, in chapter 4, that they had a rebellious and a revolting heart. So the Lord tells Jeremiah to deliver a message because the people were in sin and they weren't living the right way. But this was a little bit different because, remember, like I said earlier, we all fall into sin. We're not going to be perfect. But this became a people that not only fell into sin, but they stayed there. And that's one of the most dangerous things that we could do as a believer. We're going to fall into sin, but we don't stay there. Amen. So the Bible says that they had a rebellious and a revolting heart. So the good thing is, hey, you're family, but hey, you guys are actually not living the right way. And if you continue in that way, the Lord's judgment is going to come. So their, their hearts became so hard that they were like, ah, oh, let the Lord venture into his ways. And we're going to continue what we're doing. And let's see if it's really true what he's going to do. Let's see if judgment really comes. So they, they had a hard heart, right? And the Bible calls us to not have a hard heart. And that when we encounter his love, he gives us a heart of flesh. He, he actually desensitizes it and makes us fall in love with him again. Amen? So now that I gave you that backstory, let's read Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 24. It says here, like I said before, God is speaking to Jeremiah and he's giving a word to the people in Jerusalem. Declare this in the house of Jacob, Jeremiah, and proclaim it in Judah, saying, verse 21, hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it, and though its waves toss to and fro, Yet they cannot prevail, though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. He's talking about the sea. Verse 23, but this people has a defiant and a rebellious heart. They have revolted and they have departed from the ways of God. And the last verse here says, do, not, do they not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. And that's what was beginning to happen to the people. They had a rebellious and a revolting heart. But if you put your eyes on verse 24, what does he say? They don't say in their hearts, let us fear God. That's, the people became a rebellious people because they, they didn't examine themselves. Okay, where's my walk out with God? Where are God's ways in my life? And they didn't say, Lord, let us fear you. They were missing the fear of God in their hearts. So the Lord was speaking to me, telling me, you could live this life, but don't lose the reverential awe of Christ because it could actually lead you to a place where you're revolting and you're leaving the presence of God. So it's very dangerous. There's another verse that says, above all, guard your heart. For everything that you do, it flows from it. So we got to be very, very careful in this life that yes, we'll fall into sin, but we don't stay there, amen. Thank God during those times that they had Jeremiah to actually tell them a word of God. Hey, come back. And thank God that we have this church and brothers and sisters that my brother could come up to me and say, hey, man, like, what's going on? Do you need anything? Hey, what are you doing? I don't think it's right. That's actually a blessing because my brothers actually reproved me. And that is a blessing in the Lord. Amen. So thank God that we have brothers and sisters who can pray for us, that they can not only love us, but that can steer us back in the direction where we're following Christ. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Thank God for the people who could come up to me and say, hey, I don't agree with that. Because that is actually kept me on the path towards leading me to my ultimate kingdom in paradise. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's, it's important for us to be very careful that we, we keep this reverence for Christ. And that if we've lost it, that we say, Lord, give me this reverential awe of you again. Let me remember the cross. Let there not be a time that I look at the cross and I'm like, it doesn't, have, it doesn't move me. Let it always move me. Let me always remember what you did on that cross for me and that you was raised on the third day so that I could be raised with you. Isn't that amazing? How many of us could give God a clap offering just for him dying and resurrecting and giving us eternal life in his presence? But the people of Jeremiah will continue to be stubborn, right? They continue in their stubborn ways. And the Lord is still speaking Jeremiah to me, and I've been continuing to read, and it's, uh, it's kind of like they, were, they put themselves in a very dangerous place. Remember when I told you that they... They knew they were in sin, but they're like, ah, oh, you know what? Let the Lord test his ways, and I'm just going to continue to do what, I, what I'm going to do, and let's see if the Lord really is going to bring judgment, right? We don't want to test the Lord, right? <laughs> we don't want to be at that place where we're testing the Lord. But in one of the chapters, it actually says here, during those times, they didn't have a, a phone where they could text. I could text somebody else from Hialeah and be like, hey, this is what's going on, back and forth. Back in those days, in, in chapter 6, because the Lord's still speaking to me through it, but in chapter 6, it talks about, them lighting a fire on a mountain so that if you was at a distance, you could actually see the fire and there was a sounding of an alarm saying, hey, come back to the ways of God. So they're continuing to have compassion saying, hey, you're going the wrong way. You've neglected God's word. Come back. So in order for it to be like kind of like something serious, maybe to get their attention, they lit a fire so everybody could see and they actually sounded an alarm. And it's crazy because you know, I'm a, I'm a firefighter, right? And um, we have this protocol where if we go to a house that's on fire, there's a, there's a team that searches for people. There's a team that uh, puts out the fire. There's a, a, a manager on the outside or whatnot that looks for the safety of the people that are inside. And there's another guy on the radio, the main chief, that's calling the shots. Okay, you guys are going to do this. This team's going to do this. And this team's going to do this. But every firefighter knows that when they go into a building, and let's say whatever it is that they're doing inside the building, whether it's putting out fire, or rescuing people, or rescuing pets, or what have you, they know that if there's a sound of an alarm from the outside, they know that the building is in danger of imminent just collapse. So what happens is the engine on the outside will continue to put an alarm and ring a tone saying, hey, whoever's on the inside, get out, because the building's going to fall. And we who are on the inside, we can't tell, really, because it's dark, it's smoky, we could barely see anything but people on the outside can actually see. So, hey, once you hear that alarm, it's like, get out. Get out because the, the, you're in danger of this building falling down, and hey, who knows what can happen next. So it's almost like, kind of like the people of Jeremiah, the alarm's going off, but they didn't hear it because they've lost the fear of the Lord, right? And that's, that's one of the very dangerous things that we could do is just lose the fear of God. But thank the Lord that he's so gracious and he's so loving that he could actually give us back the reverence for the Lord. Isn't that amazing? <sighs> wow. I wrote this down. What are some of the areas of our lives today that we could actually be more obedient to? If you think about that for a second, what is the Lord calling me to be more obedient to? What is the Lord calling me, really? What areas of our lives are we really struggling in where an alarm's going off, but we'll say, oh, you know what, I'll get to it tomorrow when the Lord's like, you're going to fall. Get to it now, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, living the Christian life is not easy. It's actually really hard. It's one of the hardest things that we can kind of like endure or go through, being a Christian. So it's important that that we have this reverence for the Lord. Because we know the Lord is on our side. And the prayer of a righteous person, what? It avails much. So we have to make sure that if we steer away, we steer back to the ways of God. Whether it's from a brother or prayer service or what have you. One of the worst things that can happen to a believer, I wrote this down, is not necessarily their pain and their troubles that come along the way, but that they lost the fear of God because of disobedience. Because in this life I realize that we're going to go through things, we're going to go through pains, we're going to go through struggles and some things we just don't have control of. Lord, why did that happen to me? Why did that happen to me? We don't know. We're not God. We can't say this happened to me because of this or because of that. But we can actually remain in the reverence for the Lord and continue obedience to him. Even in the midst of the trial and troubles. Amen? Because we're going to go through trials and troubles, so my message is don't lose. Don't lose what? Don't lose the fear of God. We respect God's word, therefore we what? We now obey God's word. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So we know that one of the most important things for the believer to do is actually come back to the ways of God, right? To obey his word. So the fear of the Lord for the believer is, is that he obey God's word, right? And then my, my second point is actually the believer now prays. It was awesome that we actually spoke about prayer today. It's amazing. And Lissette opened up today at the 930 huddle, and she talked about prayer. And she spoke about Jeremiah, that we should have a, a prayer life. Because we're going to face situations, we're going to face things that are hard. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. Amen? Go ahead and turn to uh, Luke chapter 23. This is uh, my second and last point. Luke 23, it's going to be 39 through 43. Luke 23, 39 through 43. This is a story where Jesus is crucified and he has a, a criminal on his right and then another criminal on his left. So here we go. Luke 23, 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blaspheming him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. He's talking about from the cross. Take me off this cross. But the other one answered, he rebuked him saying, do you not what? Do you not even fear God? So we're going back to this fear of God thing, right? Do you not fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for what we deserve, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Christ, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we see the prayer answered. And Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So we have here, you have Christ, and then you have one criminal on the right, and then the other one on his left. One of them is like, get me off of this cross. If you really are the son of God, you're the Messiah, actually get me off here. Save me from this pain that I'm about to go through. He began to revile him, rebuke him. And you know what's crazy? If you look at the earlier verses, the people that were following Jesus as he was carrying this cross, they said the same thing. They say, if you are the Christ, get yourself down from there. So the heart of the people that were crucifying Christ became the, the heart of one of the criminals on the cross. Isn't that crazy? And then you have the other one on the other side. He's like, hold on, wait a minute. Do you not even fear God? He begins to preach to the other criminal. Hey, you don't fear God? This man has done nothing wrong. We actually deserve what, what we're on in this cross for. But then he looks at Christ and he's like, remember me when you get into your kingdom. When you get into your kingdom of paradise, remember me. Just remember me. That's all he says. Just remember me when you get there. When you die and you resurrect, just remember me. But we see the Bible that he won one-upped him. I'm not only going re- to remember you, but today when you die, you'll be with me in paradise. Hallelujah, right? And the same word that was for that criminal is actually the same word for us. That there's a paradise for us. We could praise God today because there's a paradise. There's a kingdom that we're, we're going towards. And my point was, is that the believer prays. And if you begin to kind of like study the scripture, it was almost like the guy who wanted this paradise, he's like, Lord, remember me? That was his last prayer. It was as if he was saying, Lord, if you remember me, I have enough. I don't need anything else if you could just remember me. So we see two dying men, one reviled Christ, and then the other one was like, wait a minute. We need this fear of God. And that's what happened to this individual that was on the left because he was a thief who knows how he was living before then, but there was a fear of God that erupted in him. Hold on, hold on wait a minute. I have to be in awe of Christ because, look, he really is the son of God. He really is the Messiah. He really is dying on the cross for our sins. Amen? Oh, my God. Lord, remember me. And, and, and that should be our prayer today. Lord, remember me that we don't lose the reverential awe of Christ. Amen? So my question is, how is your prayer life is my question. Because there are some days where I'm on fire with the Lord and then some other days where, Lord, oh, sorry, God. Right? Have you guys been there? And kind of like this is almost saying, I felt like the Lord was telling me, Lord, He was almost telling me, like, Eli, I love you. Okay, but get better at the prayer life. Get stronger with the things that are of God. Don't miss out the word I have for you. The word I'm going to speak to you is where? It's found in prayer. So we have to pray. We have to set a time and a place where we're like, you know what? I'm going to separate myself, and this time is for the Lord. Because I'm in desperate need of Christ. I'm going to face some serious stuff, and I need the Lord. And I'm sure you guys can say the same thing. Amen? We need Christ. We need him. We desperately need Christ. Have we lost the fear of the Lord? Our prayers then should be, Lord, give me this holy reverence to fear you and to obey your word. Why? Because when we're down, we're not getting kicked. The Lord is saying, come on, get back up again and continue to follow, it, follow me on your ways in this life. Amen. Don't lose the fear of the Lord. In Psalms it says, Lord, the Lord favors those who what? Who fear God. And Isaiah says, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. We see in Proverbs 31 that it talks about the woman and that the woman to be praised is the one who what? Who fears God. Who has a reverential respect for the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share one more scripture before I pass the mic to Omar. Uh, it's in Ecclesiastics chapter 12. Go ahead and turn there, Ecclesiastics chapter 12. And it's going to be verses 13 and verses 14. How many of you guys are receiving today? Amen? Amen, yeah. Amen. hallelujah. You guys are there with me? All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's awe. Isn't that an amazing verse? If you continue, it says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. So we have this guy here who had everything. He had the money. He had everything that he could buy, everything that his heart desired. Ecclesiastes says that he had it. But you know what he didn't have? He didn't have joy. He was still missing something, even though he had everything that the earth could offer. So he's like, Oh my God, wait a minute. I think I've gone wrong here. You know what I I found? That the place where I have awe is actually the place where I fear God. It's actually found in the place where I have this reverential respect for the Lord and I actually heed and obey his commands. Because we don't want to become like the people of Jeremiah, right? Oh, yeah, the Lord's just speaking. I'm just going to continue my ways. The Bible says in Jeremiah that their faces were brazen, and actually their face turned into a rock, meaning that no matter what you said to them, it didn't. their heart never stirred. But as, we con- as I continue to read Jeremiah, the, the, the Lord is continuing to chase them. Oh, my God. What a compassionate Savior. What an amazing Lord that he continues to chase us even while we may be involved in some serious sin. The Bible says that in while, while yet we were in our sins, Christ what? He died for us. So here's a God that we didn't even know. He died for us and actually offered us salvation, and we didn't even know him. So now what? Oh, my God, now what do I do? Now I live of reverential respect for the Lord. Amen? So my message today is don't lose the fear of God. Don't lose that place where the word no longer has a touch on your heart and your soul. Amen? And if you lost it, that should be your prayer today. Lord, give me that reverential awe oh, and respect for you. Because I realize what you did on the cross for me and has eternally changed me. Amen. And Isaiah says this because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Another verse says in Hebrews, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions. This is Hebrews 5-7. He offered prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Wow. Thank God that we have a Savior who hears us. And that he's calling us that when we steer the wrong way, that he tells us that he loves us. And then says, hey, get back up and follow me. The journey is too great. It's not over yet. Seek me while I may be found. Call upon me while I am near. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Come close to me because I have a word to speak to you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is so good. So I'll close with this. Don't lose. Don't lose what? Don't lose the fear of God. Because that's the place where your favor is found. That's the place where you're actually most spiritually joyful. And that's the place where there is no want. That you have all your needs and desires met in Christ Jesus. How many guys are receiving today? Can we give the Lord a clap offering? Omar's gonna bring us home. So say, Omar. Omar. bring
0: Bring it home. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, man. Give the Lord some praise there for Eli. That's that's amazing. This is this is the crazy thing about this, is that I had no idea what Eli was going to preach on, yet the message that he preached on and what I'm going to pour out into you guys is going to intertwine. Isn't that crazy how God works like that, right? Don't lose the fear of the Lord. I'm going to be a little bit open and raw here with you guys today. And I'm going to be expose myself a little bit here today. Some of you in here know me very well. And some of you know struggles that I have. I've been to a place in my life where I have lost the fear of God. And it is a very dangerous place. It's a very ugly place. Dangerous, That's exactly that's the exact word that Eli said. It is a very dangerous place to be at. But you want to know what I learned through a trial like that where I've lost the fear of the Lord? Man, that in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that trial, God is still good. God still redeems. God still revives, right? God is still faithful. And just how his scripture says that he will lead the 99 to go get the one, I was that one. I was that one, right? I was on the broad road to destruction at one point in my life. And Jesus steps in and he brought me back on the narrow path. I don't know if anybody in here could testify to a similar story. But I guarantee if we go around the room, there's people in here that have testimony to stories where maybe they were walking in disobedience. But man, I want you to know today that God still loves you in the disobedience. And he will chastise his children. He will punish his children in a loving way to bring you back to him. Can you guys agree with that? If you guys are taking notes today, the the title of my message is this. "Is infiltrated but not defeated. Infiltrated but not defeated. We've had a theme here at this church for for the past few months. And if you're here at 930 Huddle, you're going to hear me speak on this a lot. I'm always talking about the who and the why. The who and the why. and To be rooted in the who. When you're rooted in the who, you're going to know what your why is. When you're rooted in the who, you're going to know what the why is. But sometimes we forget about the who, and we forget about the why, because life starts happening. Things happen, trials start happening, and instead of drawing close to God, we start drawing farther away from God. And this could cause a whole array of issues in a believer's life, and a whole array of problems in our walk. It's kind of like our immune system, right? We try to eat healthy because we want to have a strong immune system. We try to drink a lot of water. Some of us probably exercise a lot. We want our immune system to be strong because if a foreign body enters our immune system, we know that it's going to be strong enough to fight off the attack. And it works the same way in the spiritual realm. It's the same way because when you're rooted in God, when you're rooted in the spiritual realm, when the enemy comes to attack, you're going to be able to fight him off. You're going to be able to fight him off. Often we allow the enemy to get a little bit too close for comfort. And bit by bit, the enemy will sneak into our lives. He could sneak in through our jobs, through our co-workers. He feeds off of our families. And he shows up in our friendships. And the enemy is very smart. And the enemy is very clever. And many times he makes his presence known in a very small way. Very subtle. Very subtle. If you guys could turn with me to 1 Peter 5.8 and give me an amen when you're there. 1 Peter 5.8, it says this, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm sure many of you know this verse. And there's a key word in this verse, and it is a word vigilant. And I love the way that the dictionary describes vigilant. It says, keeping careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. Are you keeping careful watch today? Are you being vigilant today because we're called to be vigilant? Are you looking down a certain road that if you make this turn, there's going to be danger down that way? Or how about a choice that I make today is going to lead to a difficulty later on? Are you being vigilant today? Ask yourself this. Am I being vigilant? Because we're called to be vigilant. So if you're taking notes today, my first point is this. Know your enemy. Say it with me. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. It's so important that we know the enemy. Because you cannot confront something that you do not know. How are you going to face something that's right in front of you if you don't know that that's what the enemy is? About a year ago, I'm proud to say that I became a homeowner. Do we have any homeowners in here? (laughs) I'm proud to say that I became a homeowner a year ago. And not that I forgot, because I grew up in a house, okay, but I was a kid and I didn't have any responsibilities, you know. I didn't have the responsibilities that come with homeownership. So I had, I would say, kind of a rude awakening, right? And I know you guys, fellas in here can relate to this. There's always a project going on in the house, There's always something to do. If it's not a light fixture that we got to fix, if it's not a leaky faucet that we have to fix, I have to mow the yard, I have to trim the trees. It's always something. It's always something in a home. It's always something in a home. And along with with those regular chores that we have to do, right, those those regular homeowner things that we got to do, other things start happening. And I may have told some of you guys this story. I had a unique situation. Maybe not unique. Maybe some of you have faced this in your home. Some of you guys have been to my house, and you guys know that I have a very long hallway. So I would get home sometimes, and I would find a dead honeybee in my hallway. And to be honest, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. Because it would just be one bee, and, you know, five, six days pass, and then I would see another bee. And, and I wouldn't pay too much attention to it. I started ignoring the problem. But as time went on, more and more and more dead honeybees started showing up. Some of them were dead, but some of them were very docile, right? They're just, they're just, they're not flying around, but they're just crawling around my floor. And as time went on, two bees turned into five, five turned into seven, seven turned into eight. And I said, okay, I got to do something here because now it's getting, it's getting a little bit too intense. There's too many dead honeybees. How are they getting into my house? And I did what any good homeowner would do. I went to Google. I went to Google. Don't, don't laugh. I know you guys go to Google, and Google led me to YouTube, and YouTube leads me to other forums, and it's round and round and round and round it goes. So I go to Google, and I start looking on forums on Google how to get rid of these honeybees. The first thing I had to do is I had to find where they were coming in through. So I went crazy. I was going up and down my house. Where is there an entrance in my house where these honeybees could get into? I called some people here. I called Lewis. I said, Lewis, this is the problem that I'm having, man. I think I'm going to go on the roof and check it out. Lewis is a roofer. So sure enough, I get on the roof, and I have a vent pipe on my roof. Now, this vent pipe is old. It doesn't lead to anything. It's pretty much a pipe that runs through my master bedroom, and it's just between my drywall and the concrete wall. don't lead to anything. So I get up there, and sure enough, there's about five to eight bees circling that vent pipe and landing on that vent pipe. I go, man, this has to be it. They have to be getting in through here. Back to Google. Back to Google. Now I got to find out what's going to kill these honeybees. How am I going to get rid of them? So a buddy of mine told me, man, just get a bunch of chlorine and spray them all. You're going to see they're all going to die. Don't do it because it don't work. Uh, It don't work. It agitated them more than anything else. Home remedy number two. Somebody said to get a water bottle and fill it with soap and water and shake it up and start spraying the bees. It's supposed to drown them. It don't work. Don't do it. It doesn't work. More of an agitator than anything else. So then I decided I'm gonna to go to Home Depot. And when I go to Home Depot, I go down the bug spray aisle. And the bug spray aisle, I noticed this that every single brand in there says that they're number one. There's no way that all of them are number one. That's impossible. But I ended up buying the most expensive bug spray, which it wasn't too much. It was about six bucks. It's like a bee killer. And I'm excited. I get the ladder back up, and this Bee killer sprays like a stream of 20 feet. So I'm standing real far back. Because I didn't mention this, the first two times when I was up there spraying them, I had to do a matrix, right? Because the bees started flying all towards me and I started a matrix move. So this time I stood back and I sprayed. Sure enough, all the bees started dying. They all dropped right there. There's nothing more gratifying or satisfying than as a homeowner knowing I didn't have to call somebody. I took care of a problem on my own. I know you guys can relate with that. I know you guys can relate with that. I took care of the problem on my own. I put the bug spray away. I put the ladder away. And I walk into my master bedroom. And when I walk into my master bedroom, I hear a noise that I've never heard before. You guys know that noise when you turn on the AC. It's like, mm, you know, you guys know you can't go to sleep without that noise. I can't go to sleep without it either. And I start getting closer and closer to my wall. And I put my ear towards the wall and I just close my eyes. And I heard what must have been at least a 1,000 bees inside of that wall. Oh, man. And I told myself, okay, despite my ego, I'm going to need a professional here. I need a professional because there's no way I can handle those many bees. And I'm going to be honest with you. You could ask my wife. She could testify to this. I didn't even sleep at home that night. I was scared. I packed a bag and I went to my mom's house. I got, on the, I got on the phone, I called the B-man, and he was there the next day at 8 a.m. B-man comes in, he sees the problem, I show him the vent. Let me tell you this, I never paid $300 for five minutes of work, okay? The B-man came, he came with his, um, not potions, he came with his dust, he slammed some dust, he had some sprays, and he had this little plastic thing that he cut in half and he threw it down the vent and he says in 24 hours the bees are going to be gone. But you see, something that I should have dealt with at first sight became a bigger mess for me later on, right? Because if I would have dealt with those honeybees in the beginning, maybe I wouldn't have had to pay the bee man $300 later on, right? And I think so many times in a believer's life we may do that. There's a problem in front of us that we need to confront, that we need to face, but we start shooing it away and shooing it away. By the time we know it, we're infiltrated. We're infiltrated. I've been there before. I've been there before. And the crazy thing is this. I asked the bee man this. do you think there's a hive in my wall? And he just looks at me, he goes, Absolutely, there's a hive. That's why they're here. They've made a home in your home. <laughs> Have you let the enemy make a home in your home today? <laughs> Ask yourself this. And be honest. Have you let the enemy make a home in your home? Because infiltration happens fast, and by the time we know it, we are consumed. I was infiltrated. I was consumed with something that was way beyond my control. Way beyond my control. And let me say this. The bees are not scared of me. The bees were not scared of me. They are scared of the bee man because the bee man comes and he has all the toxins to get rid of the bees. And I'm going to say this in boldness today. I hope you understand that the enemy is not scared of you. And the enemy is not scared of me. But he is scared of the one that lives inside of me. He's not scared of the sheep, but he is terrified of the shepherd. I hope we know that today. We understand that, right? Who is your enemy today? What are you facing? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? Do you have a broken marriage today? Do you have a financial burden today? Know your enemy. You cannot confront what you do not know. Know your enemy. My second point, if you're taking notes, know your weapon. Anybody here serving the military? You guys served in the military, right? I want to honor you for that. Thank you very much for that service. You served in the military, ma'am? Your son, okay, amen. Amen. Angel, angel in the back served in the military. There's something very special about military people. They know their weapons. They know their weapons. They know their rifles, right? Because I know in basic training, when you go to the military, you eat and live that rifle. You breathe that rifle. You know that rifle in and out. I'm not sure what rifle it is. It's either an M16 or an M4. But you know that rifle. You know how to clean it. You know how to take it apart. You know how to load it. You know how to clear it if there's a malfunction. You know how to aim it. You know how to shoot it. And why do they know their rifle so good? Because they train with their weapons. And they're proficient with their weapons. They're proficient with it. They know that if the situation ever arises where they need to use their weapon, they're going to know exactly what to do. Do you know what your weapons are today? We're going to get into it. For those of you who don't know, I'm a part-time police officer. And most people know cops carry a gun. I have a gun on my side, but along with my gun, I have a wide variety of other weapons that they're called intermediate weapons, right? Because my gun is considered a deadly weapon, but then I have other intermediate weapons that are not deadly weapons. And I'm trained to use every weapon right so i'll have my firearm then here i might carry a a can of pepper spray right because a situation may arise where it doesn't call for me to use deadly weapon it calls for me to use my pepper spray maybe there's a large crowd of people fighting and i just got to spray a little bit of pepper spray and that'll disperse the crowd another situation may arise where i may have to use a taser i carry a taser on this side I might have to take out a taser with someone that is not compliant, somebody that is combative. It's a different situation, a different weapon for a different situation, right? I also carry a baton. It's behind my firearm, and the baton is used in scenarios where I have to bust a car window out or something along those sorts. Know your weapons. There is a different weapon for different situations. Know your weapons today. We often get comfortable not too worried about what the enemy is scheming behind the scenes until we get to a point that we have become infiltrated. And many of the enemy's plans can be destroyed if we attack them at first glance. This is, this is going to get real now. The Lord has placed an arsenal of weapons at our lap. At our disposal, we have a full arsenal. Have you ever heard of the weapon of prayer? Have you ever heard of the weapon of fasting? How about the weapon of the word? How about the weapons of presence? How about the weapons of fellowship? How about the weapon of surrender? Have you guys heard of these things before? These are powerful weapons that we have that God has placed in our laps to use. Powerful weapons. But the crazy thing is this. So many times we choose not to use the weapons God has given us. And the attacks of the enemy will never stop once you take a stance for Jesus. Know this. If you take a stance for Christ, the enemy will never stop attacking you. You must simply learn to fight. You're going to have to learn to fight. I've experienced that in my own life, and I know people in here have experienced that as well. Train with your weapons. Train in prayer. I love that Eli was talking about this, and we spoke about it at 930 Huddle. Train in prayer. Train in fasting. Spend time with the body in fellowship. Surrender. Man, these are powerful weapons at our disposal. Train with your weapons. Be proficient in your weapons. Because if the time comes where, man, there's a situation that I'm about to face, maybe today I'm going to take out the weapon of prayer, and tomorrow I'm going to take out the weapon of fasting, and tomorrow and the next day I'm going to launch an arrow with an arrow of praise and an arrow of worship. Know your weapons. Know your weapons today. Man, many times we feel that we can handle infiltrations. Just like myself. I thought I had a grip on the bees until there was something that I shooed to the corner. And by the time I knew it, I was infiltrated. And I knew my enemy. And I had to confront my enemy. That's why I had to call an expert. I had to call a bee man. And Jesus is our bee man. Jesus is our bee man. Come on, man, give him some praise and glory in the house. Jesus is our B-man. When we become infiltrated, he is our defender. Instead of handling problems on our own, let's run to the one who redeems. I think life will be so much easier if every time we had an issue, instead of us trying to take care of it on our own, man, we surrender it to Christ. The enemy will always attack what God is about to promote. Are you under attack today? Your promotion is right around the corner. Hang in there. Your promotion is right around the corner. So let's suit up today in Jesus' name, right? Ephesians 6. If you guys could turn with me to Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Give me an amen when you're there. Ephesians 6 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Something so special and it's mentioned twice in this passage. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And in the last verse, 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He's telling us, put on God's armor, protect yourself because the evil day is coming. If you're a Christian in here today and you've never faced a trial and tribulation, get ready because it's coming. It's going to come, but take heart because Christ said that he has overcome, that we're going to have trial and tribulation, but he has overcome those. He's overcome the world. So take heart. And what is God's armor? If you keep reading in Ephesians 6, they start to describe what God's armor is, right? He talks about the helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth, boots of readiness to pick up your shield of faith. And have your sword of the spirit. Do you have your armor on today? Do you know your weapons today? Know your enemy. Know your weapons. Put on God's armor. Believers must equip themselves with the Lord's armor. Know the word, but most importantly, know the one. Knowing the word is profitable. But knowledge doesn't mean presence. I'm not saying that knowledge is bad. Knowledge is a very good thing to have. Knowledge is great to have. It's something that's given from God. But what good is it to be a biblical scholar? What good is it to be a theologian if you don't know the author of the book? <laughs> what good is it? It's not profitable. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but I would take presence over knowledge any day. Any day. The enemy will launch at you from every direction, every direction. And if we're not careful, we may get knocked down. But we are only defeated if we do not get back up. Know your enemy, know your weapons. Suit up so we don't get stung. Worship thinkers start coming up. This is going to be my last and final point. It's point number three. I want you to look to the person next to you and say this We are not defeated. We are not defeated we're not defeated today infiltrated maybe defeated no we're not defeated today many of us in here can testify to an infiltration at some point or another in our lives I've been there I've been infiltrated things that I should have dealt with early on became a bigger mess for me later down the road I've been there and I get to a place of complacency sometimes right it happens it happens. We get complacent in the word. We get complacent in prayer. Man, and we're not called to be complacent. We're not called to be casual Christians. Right? We're not called to be Christians that just come to church on a Sunday. If that's you, it's okay. Please don't get offended. But man, the Lord is calling us to so much more. He's calling us to shoot up. He's calling us to know his weapons. He's calling us to be rooted and strong in him. Second Corinthians 4. This is the last verse that I'm going to be sharing. 4 it's gonna be verses 8 through 10. Let me know when you're there. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, it says this We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I love this verse because it's making two statements. It's telling us what we are and what we aren't. We are afflicted, yes, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Do you know what you are today? Do you know where you stand today? (laughs) My biggest infiltration is my mind. I have a battlefield that goes on in my mind and it is a constant battle every single day with thoughts that I get consumed with and sometimes I lose that battle but just because I lose a battle that doesn't mean that I've lost the war we agree with that today right we're gonna lose the battle but the war is already won the war is already won and the reality is this if I say I can't I won't If I say I can, I will. If I think I cannot get through what I'm going through, I won't. If I think I'll fail, I will. If I think I'm defeated, I am. It's not what I'm going through, but it's the who that is right beside me. So church, I tell you this today. If you're going through a storm, keep rowing. If you're in a fight today, let's fight to win. You may get knocked down, but you're not defeated. Unless you stay down, get back up today in Jesus' name. You're not defeated. Infiltrated, yes. Defeated, no. Are you living in defeat today? If you're living from a place of defeat today, man, I'm here to tell you this, that there is hope. And hope today has a name. And that is the name above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is this, is that I know a B-man. And this B-man, he is different. Because this B-man, he is loving. And this B-man is merciful. And this B-man, he is kind. And this B-man, he redeems. And this B-man, he saves. And this B-man, he lives inside of me. He lives inside of you. And I can do all things through this B-man who gives me strength. Come on, man. Give him some praise and glory in the house. Oh, man. Powerful. You guys can stand with me. Stand with me today. Infiltrated. Maybe infiltrated. But very far from defeated, very far from being defeated today. I want you to be encouraged because if you're strong in the who, then you will not waver in the why. And I just gave you basic instructions today on how to enter the battlefield. Know your enemy. Know your weapons. You are not defeated. You're not defeated in Jesus' name. Right? This is how I fought my battles. Right? Right? This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but what am I surrounded by? I'm surrounded by him. This is how I fight my battles. It's powerful. It's very, very powerful. The Lord reigns, man. Jesus reigns. Church, if there is someone in here today, if you are living at a place of defeat... If you are living at a place where you feel that you are consumed, that you don't know how you're going to go on tomorrow, I want you to run up to this altar today because I don't want to just pray for you. I'm going to stand alongside you today and the battlefield that you are facing, I am going to enter that battlefield with you. And I want you to look to the left and I want you to look to the right and I want you to know today that you are not alone. You are not alone because today we're going to launch an arrow at the enemy, an arrow of prayer, and an arrow of worship, and an arrow of praise, right? Let's take out our sword of the spirit today and slay the enemy right where he stands. Hallelujah. If that's you in here today, come up to the altar, and we're going to do battle, right? Because that's one of our codes. We make war. Let's battle together. We make war in this place. We make war in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.